This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Lispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, FFPC, DoorDash, Sunday Ticket, Underdog, and Bet Online. We are so excited that you are here with us. Matt, how are you today? I'm already afraid of your answer. <laughs> I'm okay. Um, I mean, we are good. So here's where I'm positive. We're going to get some like power five football games this weekend. Um, yes. It's we got football last weekend and it was fun to sit down and watch. Um, and truthfully, the other thing, I'm through my fantasy draft season right now. So I'm happy about that. As much as I love doing fantasy football drafts, I'm really happy now I'm behind be there behind me. How many leagues, if you don't mind my asking, how many leagues are you in this year? Not as many as you'd think. I think I'm in five dynasties, maybe six. I'm in my work league, which I hate. Sorry if you're listening, guys. Um, I'm in, <laughs> I just did a, a guillotine league draft last oh, nice. night. And then my auction league and then my brother-in-law's league for redraft. And then probably like 15 fan ball best ball leagues so yep. nothing i'm not like one of those i've seen a lot of people who are way crazier than me on how many they do i'm not like a super hardcore but it's just one of those things where it's like i don't know the auction leagues just take a lot out of me because i can't not take them seriously right right yeah i'm in 13 this this year uh which is it feels like a good number uh many of those were you know quarantined afternoons on a, on a, on a thursday i'd get some random message on Twitter from someone who I was in the league with last year or something and be like, Hey, we're starting up a Debbie league auction, blah, blah, blah. You want in? And I was like, man, I haven't seen or talked to anyone in days. I'm sick of being quarantined in my house. This sounds like fun. I'm in. <laughs> so I, uh, I joined quite a few of those this summer, which was great. And uh, yeah, like you said, I had, I just made my last pick in a slow draft about two hours ago. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I did not draft a kicker or a defense, even though we have to start both. And instead, I just loaded up on players and I will make my kicker and defense decision on uh, Saturday night and roll until then. But yeah, but uh, uh, yeah. as for why you were um, questioning my sanity right now. Um, so by the time this publishes, maybe there will be an, some type of concrete answer to this. But as of right now. All my optimism for the Big Ten, and I don't know if you heard, if you listened last week, you heard Travis and I, we were both, there's a lot of smoke saying Big Ten football's coming back, Big Ten football's coming back. I'm a lot less confident now, even though mm -hmm. the lawsuit is kind of like coming to a head and it's seeming like they're going to be under immense pressure, even though the White House is stepping in and basically calling out the Big Ten every 20 minutes on Twitter, it seems like Michigan, um, fuck them. Uh, really don't want to play. So, yeah, it's, it, it's I, I don't I I mean the logic behind November is, in theory, they believe that on most of these campuses that by the time we get till thanks that by the time we get to Thanksgiving no kids will be on campus that they believe that they will end up sending home everyone on campus so that when you have a Thanksgiving season they will essentially be playing in a bubble a true bubble because they, the only interaction will be with themselves. So that's when everyone always says like, well, if you can play in, and in November, you can play in October. There's a reason for November, but truthfully, if you can play in November, you can play in October because they're already in a bubble. They're already not. No one who is on a meaningful power five program is going to classes in person i'm like i hate to be the bearer of bad news to people who are still thinking that these student athletes are truly students they're not they're they were basically all informed hey you're going fully online this year i understand that you're here for an education i understand you have to meet a certain grades you are going fully online this year and so i, I and i i know that's speculative but truthfully i would say 
if you see Justin Fields on Ohio State's campus, he is walking his way over to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And that's it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not feeling super optimistic. And uh, do you think, so So some of the some of the big news that is going on right now too is like five games have been postponed, including three Big 12 games. Uh, Baylor's game, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, excuse me, as well as TCU's games were all uh, postponed. Do you think that will play into kind of the decisions that that are made uh, for think, the Big Ten? And also, just I'd like like you to react to those uh, in and of themselves. Do I think it'll make a difference um, with uh, Ohio State? I mean, with the Big Ten? No, not really. Uh, I think their decision is largely already made. I think if they were going to flip their decision based on information it would have probably been they were they just wanted other teams to cancel um their season they're not going to do this and the reason i say this is because these ones seem like sort of unique situations cuz they're canceling the games on their schedule that didn't mean shit and i hate to downplay TCU and SMU i'm sure you guys have some type of rivalry as the two christian schools in texas it didn't mean anything to TCU uh, they care about the Big 12 schedule. Oklahoma State and Tulsa. I'm sure they really care about that in-state rivalry, but they don't this year because all they care about is the schedule. Baylor and Louisiana Tech. I mean, you don't even really have a rivalry in any capacity, so right, no. Right. So, I mean, I'll say that, yeah, it's something that if you were really fighting hard to say, we can't have a season, we can't have a season, you're definitely going to say, look, all these games have been postponed. But if you're thinking about it from the rational perspective, it's, hey, why am I playing this game? There's a little extra risk because we don't have the same testing standards as them. They don't have the money we have to do all the appropriate testing. No, I'm not going to play them. That makes sense. Um, Some further news uh, coming out of the SEC. Jamie Newman has opted out, was the quarterback. He had just transferred over from Wake Forest. Many presumed he would be the quarterback uh, at Georgia, but now the starting quarterback role has been handed over to USC transfer JT Daniels. Curious what this does as far as your perception of Georgia. Um, and then also, yeah, just what you think of Jamie Newman as a potential NFL prospect without having this upcoming year in a really potentially fun offense. Uh, just your, your thoughts on, on that situation. Uh, Jamie Newman had too much hype all offseason. He never should have been considered the QB3. The only reason he was considered the QB3 is because people were like, wait, there's this quarterback that was kind of fun over at Wake Forest, and now we're going to put him in an offense that's going to be on a national stage? Let's definitely rank him super-duper high. So here's the issue with that. If Jamie Newman had come out last year after being at Wake Forest, where do you think he would have gotten drafted? You think it would have been on... Yeah, you think it would have been on day two? I mean, I think no. the earliest you're talking about is like, hey, he kind of he's really athletic. But who do you think is going first, him or uh, Jalen Hurts? Oh, Hurts for sure. Hurts. Yeah. I, so that's I, I mean, how are we now? How can you now put him in that real like area of like, you know, all those like six months he was on Georgia's team doing nothing with Georgia, not practicing. He's definitely a first round pick. No, you can't. You cannot make that argument. I, I mean. Jamie Newman, whatever. I'm sorry. He's he'll go day two now. So yeah, cool. If you want the day two quarterback, take Jamie Newman. Anyone who is trying to use him as a pivot play from Fields or um, shoot Trevor Lawrence, if you were trying to use him as the pivot, sorry, you made the wrong choice. Um, as for Georgia's new starting quarterback, JT Daniels, I think Georgia has a better quarterback. I think Georgia yeah. is now sitting with a quarterback that is going to fit their system better and potentially has a higher ceiling for as much as everyone wants to sit here and look at, Oh man, they were so much better last year without JT Daniels with Keaton Slovis. JT Daniels was a five-star player who ended up actually joined college a year early when he reclassified to join uh, his freshman year, played in basically the worst USC system that they had pretty much ever and was fine. But he basically got the like got the crap kicked out of him for a year. So now JT Daniels is getting to go over to a Georgia team that is going to be probably the best offensive line he's ever seen in his life, probably the best receivers he's ever played with in his life. And I say this knowing he played with Amon Ross St. Brown, he played with uh, Tyler Vaughns and Michael Pittman. I think Georgia has better dudes. Um, hmm. I, I mean, and he's got running backs galore to hand the ball off to. 
I think it'll be probably a slow start. I think Jamie Newman was the one that was going to make their offense seem like if you were hoping that Georgia was going to turn into a gunslinging team that was going to put up 30, 40 points a game while their defense only allowed 10, something tells me that it's not going to be that with JT Daniels, particularly not early on. But I would say for the long run, if you want the quarterback that I actually believe has a chance to I don't want to say bone Nix's way to like some like special games, but kind of like if you're wanting a team that might have a chance to upset Alabama, probably could beat Florida with all the, like in a close game. I would say I prefer uh, JT Daniels to Jamie Newman. Yeah. And I think one of the first thoughts I had when this happened was, well, there won't be a quarterback controversy in Georgia, at least. And, and to me, that can make a big difference. Yes, I know competition can really help players excel. Uh, I know that's what a lot of coaches preach, that competition is what you need for, to get the greatest out of people. But I think there's something to like just hand in the guy the reins of the offense and say, okay, JT, this is your team now. Take take it and, uh, and make something happen here. And I think that could really uh, really take place. I mean, I was a little lower on Georgia than, than some others going into the year a- anyway. Um, I don't know if this moves anything for me um, as far as my outlook for Georgia, the team. I think... Their defense is, is really the main story for them anyway. So uh, like to your point, I don't think that this all of a sudden changes your, sh- I don't think this should change your thoughts on what you think Georgia can do this year. Does that sound about right to you as well? Yeah, that's not, I, nothing's really changed much. No, I mean, I, we'll, we'll get into our playoff picks a little bit later, but we'll say that I'm, I'm higher on Georgia than you. <laughs> yes. Yes, you, uh, you certainly are. Uh, I just want to tell everyone real quick before we uh, jump into the rest of the show here uh, that you guys really should be checking out FFPC. They are the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty and Best Ball. So go check out FFPC. Matt, hit us with your FFPC stat attack of the day. Lincoln Riley joined Oklahoma in 2017, and under him, OU is 19-22-1 against the spread, failing to cover their games by an average of 1.6 points per game. But as a home favorite like they are this weekend, they are 11-8 against the spread. I like it. That was actually a very surprising number when you put that in there because you, well, I think of Oklahoma and I initially just think of all those great quarterbacks, but then it takes a second to remember all those terrible defenses they've had. And uh, even though they score lots of points, uh, they uh, don't always uh, hit that hit that spread number. So that's a good that's a good that that's a good thing. Spreads are like thirty points away. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah. Real quick breakdown for what we have planned for you this week. I know we're uh, starting that part off a little late. We're gonna do some Debbie highlights from week one uh, that Matt's gonna hit us with. We'll talk a little bit about some of the upcoming articles we have. Get into our predictions for some of the big things like Heisman playoffs and the breakout players of the year. And then we will jump into our picks for the upcoming slate of games that we will uh, dive into a little bit here. Um, You can pretty much expect a similar schedule moving forward. We will kind of go in that order for the most part, where we'll hit news, talk about some of the articles, go to Debbie, and then kind of end off with our our picks. So uh, just be looking for that format. But Matthew, will you please talk to me about some highlighted players that you have discovered after week one? And that wasn't the most exciting teams um, on display for us, but you still saw some good stuff. You are not excited mean, by uh, Memphis. You should be. Uh, Memphis is no, actually no, the, the most exciting one on the list. But yeah, Texas that, State that's didn't, my point. didn't have you excited. <laughs> I will no. say, uh, Memphis even though State I, don't, I don't have anyone from Texas State listed. However, if you are a uh, fan of ridiculous catches, go and look at the touchdown catch by Jeremiah Hadel. Um, really absurd back of the end zone catch. It's, it's going to be one of the catch of the year options. But from a Debbie perspective, I'm going to hit these not in the way I have them listed. So sorry if that bothers you. Uh, One guy who probably has a limited ceiling, but was once considered a really high upside prospect is Spencer Brown. And it's kind of nice to see him bounce, start off his season the right way. Senior running back at a UAB. He really broke out early and he was one of those guys that we looked at as a really high upside type player. But He's kind of gone hill, downhill ever since. He started off his season with 127 yards and a touchdown. If he can put together a productive year, you're talking about a guy who might be day three draft worthy, and that's just a positive. Then we're going to hit that Memphis team I told you about. So there was a lot of question marks about which running back was going to be the kind of standout running back in that room. Travis and I were mentioning the fact that they're kind of a crowded room, mm-hmm. even though Kenneth Gainwell left. 
So it looks like the guy, at least right now, who got the early looks is Rodriguez Clark. He's a sophomore running back. He did get a little bit of work last year. I think it was like, I think he had like 400 yards last year. And I'm probably just making that number up. But uh, he did get a little bit of work last year, although he was third or fourth string on the list. But now it looks like he's started off. He got 105 yards and a touchdown to start the year. Nothing super special. He didn't do it on like some absurd efficiency, but it's good to see Memphis running back. If you get someone who takes the lead, particularly if they're taking the lead, not in their final year on campus, it's just a good thing to see. And then SMU has a bevy of wide receivers to keep an eye on. The biggest name and the one you're going to hear all year, and if you are playing college DFS, the one that should be in your lineup dang near every week is Reggie Roberson. He is going to be a target hog. Keep an eye on him. He had 99 yards and a touchdown to start off the year. Uh, Rasheed Rice was an interesting name that I saw. 101 yards um, as a sophomore. Just a name to keep an eye on, particularly, again, if you play some college DFS, he's just a guy to keep an eye on. And then the one, actually, that I had kind of as my player to watch, um, he was a JUCO transfer. This was his debut game. His name's Danny Gray. There were a lot of positive reports coming out of camps on him. Uh, He's a junior, and... uh, had 72 yards in his debut. I expect he'll probably turn into the number two receiver on this offense. But the number one player that interests me the most wasn't even the leading rusher on his own team, but it's freshman running back out of SMU, Ulysses Bentley, at 49 yards and two TDs. But he's doing this as a freshman. It's just thing, while he's maybe not a name that you have to think about, he's probably not even a guy you have to draft next year. He's a good guy to have on the radar because when you're seeing these freshmen get early playing time, it's usually a sign that... They're going to keep getting playing time throughout their career. And when you see these productive backs, there's always a decent chance that the NFL is going to notice, hey, this guy's coach really wanted to get him the ball. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. I, uh, I, I've i got some freshman running back I'm going to talk about later, too, uh, when we do our uh, previews. Uh, just real quick, uh, Rodriguez Clark last year only had 26 attempts for 85 yards. And Dang it, I had that so, one wrong. I couldn't remember. Yeah, but... But that shows a, a huge change. I mean, he's already almost matched his total attempts and he's already eclipsed his yards and tied his touchdowns from last year. So uh, definitely interesting one to be paying attention to because if he if he does take over, that, that could be really interesting. Uh, so yeah, that's good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, everyone has heard of DoorDash by now. Uh, Quarantine has made DoorDash like one of the mo- more frequently used apps on my phone. They bring the food that you're craving right to your door Ordering is so easy. You can open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. So you can choose from any of your favorite local restaurants. Um, You can choose from some of the big chain ones. My daughter's in love with Chipotle's rice and uh, their cilantro rice, so we get that all the time. Uh, So so be, be looking at DoorDash. We have a great offer for you today right now our listeners can get five dollars off and zero delivery fees on their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the doordash app and enter the code blue wire that's five dollars off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the doordash app and use the code blue wire so don't forget b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e and that's doordash and we promise you will not be disappointed matthew you have a couple articles that you've recently released and uh last week you had an article kind of featuring demonte coxie that came out and your week two article will be it's probably being published as we are speaking and will be out by the time the good listeners have received this in their podcasting app but i haven't seen it yet so uh, tell me a little bit about it without giving the whole thing away of course because we want people to look that up so if you were a fan of jordan hoover's when the debbie break series this is sort of a continuation of his series this year under a different name because I didn't want to steal his name. That was too clever. Um, Basically, it's a rundown of some of the more interesting Debbie prospects across the league and just highlighting some of the players that you should keep an eye on during the week. For me, this week, I mean, Clemson's kicking off. You should watch Clemson. They are, I mean, there's so much talent on that team. Number one player to watch is obviously Trevor Lawrence. Watch him 20 times. I don't care. But they're a huge favorite, so they're probably going to end up putting a lot of their guys in mop-up duty. So the interesting kind of guys to watch for me are uh, DJ Alongalele. Um, He is the quarterback I expect to see some time because they want to start preparing him. And then while the starters are in the game, I want to see their two receivers, Joseph Nagata and Frank Ladson. 
Beyond that, I would say the the guys that you should really be tuning into this week are Tutu Atwell. If you haven't watched him yet, just go watch Tutu Atwell for Louisville. Uh, he had a 42% market share of receiving yards last year. That's bonkers. Um, I expect he's going to do something similar again. He's really small. Uh, I think he's five foot nine, 160 pounds. You know who else was really small? Marquise Brown, who is basically everyone's darling this year to be a breakout. So Tutu Atwell is a guy I'm looking for to um, kind of jump up draft boards and really be intriguing next year. Uh, one last guy from the ACC, I feel like I should highlight Deshaun Corbin is a uh, is debuting for Florida State this weekend. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a workhorse back for them, but he was a guy that we looked at as a really strong breakout candidate going into last year and unfortunately just suffered an early season injury. And Texas A&M had another guy waiting in the wings with Isaiah Spiller, who actually is terrible and no one should like. But uh, that's continuation from last week. Go back and listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> um, but if you, uh, I, I mean, Tashawn Corbin's a really interesting back. I think there's a chance he'll be pretty solid. The Big 12, there's really only one person I want you to watch. And that actually there's two. So I'm going to highlight two. I lied. Number one is it's Spencer Rattler's debut. Go watch Spencer Rattler. I don't care if he only plays 10 minutes a game. Watch every second of that 10 minutes. Spencer Rattler is debuting. Yes. As the starter, I should say. Um, and then for Texas, I know that there's a lot of fun names that everyone knows. Like everyone knows Sam Ellinger. Everyone knows Keontae Ingram. The guy I kind of want you to pay attention to and the guy that I'm really interested in is Rashawn Johnson. Really, everyone knows Keontae Ingram and everyone's kind of knowing uh, Bijan Robinson um, as the like the new the new fun running back, the new hotness, the five star. But the guy that out of camp, everyone is saying is the best running back and the one that looks like he's running the hardest is former dual threat quarterback turned running back because they didn't have any running back depth last year, Rashawn Johnson. I think he had, yeah, he had 649 yards and seven touchdowns on fairly limited work. Let, and I mean, you have to remember, Sam Ellinger is the leading rusher on that team. Keontae Ingram was 850 yards. So Rashawn Johnson, as the backup running back who started out the season as a backup quarterback, had 649 yards and seven touchdowns as a freshman. So keep an eye on him. He's honestly... Outside of Spencer Rattler, the guy I'm watching this the most this weekend. I like it. I can't wait to read that article. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, I've got an article that has just been released. Uh, it's a kicker streaming article. It's dedicated to all you deviants, fantasy football players who uh, still use kickers. Uh, there are, like I said, I'm in 13 leagues, and I think only about four or five of them actually have a kicker spot still. But it is something that we are needing to do. And instead of you know, drafting a kicker and holding on to them all year, which is kind of a waste of a roster spot and waste of a draft pick. I highly recommend not even drafting a kicker, uh, filling up your team with all position players that could possibly pop and uh, maybe grab an IR guy so that right before the season starts, you slap a guy in IR, pick up the kicker that I recommend, use him for a week and then possibly drop him right after the game uh, when waivers roll so that you can pick up your favorite waiver wire sleeper option and uh, go through the whole process again that next week. The kicker streaming article uh, is going to be useful for you in helping you pick which kickers uh, to target. And I will only recommend kickers that are available in 50% uh, percent of leagues or fewer. So it is a really easy, quick hit, quick hitting article just to tell you exactly what you need to know so that you can have an advantage against your opponents. So check that out. Did you put in Rodrigo Blankenship? He is my number one yeah. recommendation for this week, um, actually. And I, I love it is because it most Rex people Rex? have, no no one's even heard of him. So I'm very excited that he was my number one go-to guy this week. <laughs> well, he wasn't even in ESPN. If I, I saw something on Twitter about this, he wasn't even in ESPN system until this week. That's so awesome. if you were wanting the, the kicker for Georgia with the Rex specs, you could not have him until this week. And I think I own him in all my leagues now. Yep, he is my number one recommend. So he, you're the reason why he's 20% owned then. <laughs> that's me. That's me across yeah. all of them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, he uh, he gets to go up against Jacksonville's uh, poorest defense. So that should be good. Let's get into some predictions. Uh, looks like we don't have all the same names and stuff here, which is kind of fun. I, I went a little bit different than you. I, okay. So I will say. Start off with Heisman. Go for uh, it. Heisman Trophy. Well, no, say yours because yours is, you have. Well, you I have, have Trevor Lawrence. 
And and I think if I think this would have been more interesting. Well, no, it wouldn't have been if the Big Ten was playing. You just would have said Fields on yours. But because we don't know, it's going to be a little bit more interesting. But Trevor Lawrence is pretty much chalk because Field isn't going to be out there. But I just I think unless they try to compare him to what he's already done. Like if they just look at it for this year, I think people will be very impressed. I do kind of wonder if like what happened to Tua where he was so good that one year that the following year he was kind of judged against that. Uh, that could kind of dissuade voters a little bit maybe with Trevor Lawrence because there's such a high expectation. But I think he'll put together the the raw numbers and the win total that will, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no question of if he'll be invited to, well, I guess the question is if there is a Heisman ceremony, but if there is he a Heisman ceremony. He will not be invited to New York, but he will, uh, he will be, he will on, be on the Zoom short yeah. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, so who do you got? So I think you just made my case for me, to be honest. I think the issue is, is that every year there's a huge favorite that everyone expects to win the Heisman. And then that person does not win the Heisman at the end of the year, because if you don't walk on water, you can't live up to expectations. So rather than go with the guy that is shock of all chalk, I'm going to go a little bit off the radar who isn't off the radar at all. I'm going with Spencer Rattler. I just told you before, you need to watch every single snap of his. Why? Because Lincoln Riley knows how to make a quarterback look amazing. And fun fact, Spencer Rattler does not need help looking amazing. He was the number one quarterback in all the country in his class. You want to know who else was in his class? Sam Howell, who everyone loves. Jaden Daniels, who everyone loves. Most people love. I love. Um, you love. I love him. <laughs> we, um, we, we love. Yeah. So I, I like for all the, the huge name quarterbacks that got their start last year, Spencer Rattler was sitting there like, I'm really good too. Um, I could throw to all these open receivers that Oklahoma always gives, and he's going to have that chance this year. He was a really interesting quarterback out of high school. His numbers from his senior year actually don't look super impressive, but that's largely because he got suspended right at the end of the year. Um, still sort of, I mean, I don't entirely know the reason why. I just know it was he probably had a, viol- a school violation and talked to someone he shouldn't have talked to and did something he shouldn't have. So, he got suspended for the final bit of his year. So we haven't seen Spencer Rattler as a starting quarterback since about halfway through his senior year of high school. But I can tell you, Spencer Rattler is a G and he is going to be, if we're calling Trevor Lawrence a lock to be on that Zoom call, I will tell you that Spencer Rattler is the closest thing to a lock to be on that Zoom call as well. I love it. I love it. That's, I mean, I think you're wrong, obviously, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I, I went first last time. Why don't you go first with uh, your prediction for a playoff? So this is where, I, like I, I hinted at before, um, I've got Georgia in my playoff. I have Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson. It's really chalky. The problem is, is that you have to, if you're not going to go with like the super chalk, you have to kind of find something outside the box. Um, as much as I love the University of Cincinnati, they're going to have a very difficult time. No, If they go undefeated and beat every team by 30, maybe they get an invite to uh, the playoff. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I do not. Um, Because they're just not that type of team. Um, Do I think Notre Dame is going to stay close enough with Clemson that they're going to get an invite? Personally, I don't think so. Not trying to spoil anything. But but I I think that you're going to get a situation where the two teams going into the SEC championship game, assuming it happens... Both of them are going to get an invite because they're going to be going into the game, probably number two and number four in the rankings. And they're going to look at number five and six and say, do we really want to invite the other big 12 school? No. Do we really want to invite the other school from the ACC? And eh, maybe. Um, so it, it'll, I think it'll come down to the final weekend between who's like five, six uh, or four, five, six. And my guess would be that Georgia will, play in a way that gets them invited. Yeah. So JT Daniels is going to bow Nix his way to a SEC championship. <laughs> um, so I actually do have the, you know, I've got Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma. So that very much chalk on those three, but then I, I did put in Notre Dame. I think that November 7th is going to be a very, very important day uh, for the playoff. That is when Clemson plays at Notre Dame. It'll be interesting to see what happens that day. I think if Notre Dame can keep it close, uh, they will have a very good shot. Um, And part of this is also, I just think the SEC is going to beat up on each other. And I think a a one-loss Notre Dame team will have a pretty decent uh, resume. 
against uh, when when you hold it up against like a, a, a three loss Georgia. So that's kind of where my thoughts are on that. Uh, I, I know. We I just, mean, why is Georgia getting three losses this year? I don't know. They have. They can't. I don't know. I just they, they just, get one loss every year and they play the full schedule. I know. I know. We'll see. I so, I'm not as high on Georgia as you are. Well, that's fair. Question. Notre Dame is plus 13 and a half against Clemson right now. I'm making this number up. Which side are you taking? I mean, right now I'm taking Notre Dame um, because I have to for the sake of my argument. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I, that's where, I mean, my problem is, is that, yes, the, I think the only way that Notre Dame keeps that game close is if Clemson sleepwalks through, or sleepwalks through it. I don't know. I think Notre Dame... I mean, we'll we'll talk about Notre Dame. They're one of the the, the teams on our on our slate here. I I think they're going to be really good this year. I really, I, while I don't believe Ian Book is like the savior of all things Notre Dame football, I don't think he's the second coming of Joe Montana. I do think he's a very good I'm game right. manager. Yeah, I I do think he's a a very good game manager. I think like they're returning six offensive linemen. They've got a strong defense. Uh, they brought in the kid from Ohio State. Uh, to play safety for them. Like they're they're gonna be really, really good. They're gonna be a complete team. They have a lot of time to kind of work up to this game against Clemson. Uh Clemson, as we've seen, has already dealt with a lot of injuries. They've dealt with uh some some people opting out. So I don't know. I, I think that the the chasm be- between them may not be as large as as we might think. Uh, of course, last time Notre Dame played a big time game uh, when they were in the playoff, they got absolutely smoked. So, uh, so maybe I am, uh, speaking of smoking, maybe I've been doing too much of it myself and that's why I'm on this, but I don't know. I just, uh, I just, again, I'm not really believing in Georgia and, and I don't get me wrong. I don't love Notre Dame, but, uh, I think just for, uh, we, we lost half of the important schools in this conversation. Right. So that's, I, I mean, I think you're, when you're looking for that fourth team, it is difficult because instead of having 130 teams to look at, we have 76. So, right. It's totally right. fair. I think it's right on. Somehow, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't actually just put Oregon in there and say that somehow the committee <laughs> just screw it, put in put in Oregon. Uh, well, Panay Sewell is uh, already declared for the draft, so we'd be without him. But we did just get a new uh, another four-star recruit out of Utah this week, so I'm very excited about that from the offensive line, so so that's good. But let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, breakout player of the year. I'll just give uh, my two real quick here and then love to hear you talk about yours. Uh, my first one is someone you've already spent some time talking about. That's Spencer, Spencer Rattler, quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, I mean, enough said right there. The other guy you've also already mentioned today, and that is Clemson wide receiver Joseph Nagata. I think that he is going to have just a monster year I think he will really show out and um, you know someone's got to be catching all those touchdown passes from Trevor Lawrence. I think he will be one of the guys doing that and more so than the others on his team. We will talk a little bit more about that receiving core in just a little bit, uh, but here, um, but let's hear from you, Matt, on your breakout player of the year. I, uh, I thought about trolling you here and putting Frank Ladson Jr., who is the <laughs> other receiver. Um but so my breakout player is Terrace Marshall, um, wide receiver for LSU. As we all know, they have a lot of talent on that team. Um, but then probably the best receiver on the team at this point is Terrace Marshall because Jamar Chase is gone. The other name that I will tell people to keep an eye on who could be the star out of that offense is Eric Gilbert. He is a tight end who was the number one tight end in the country from last year's recruiting class. Pretty much everyone is in agreement. He's going to be amazing, but it just sometimes takes tight end a little bit longer. I do think he's going to be a player to watch, but if I'm going to say who's going to have the chance to have like 22 touchdowns, and I know that sounds absurd, but whatever he's absurd is Terrace Marshall. Yeah. And he was a guy that we talked about last week where he's the guy who's moved up my board probably the most um, in Debbie ranking. So I love that call. Um, you know what else I love? Guess what? We got football coming back. NFL <laughs> football is here. Uh, Thursday night's going to be awesome. And then Sunday, we've got the big day where all of our teams, all of our favorite teams are playing. And with NFL Sunday TV, you can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you get Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. So you never have to miss your favorite teams and your favorite players, or some of your least favorite players, but they just happen to be on your fantasy team, as is the case with me. Uh, but no matter where you live, the NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. 
Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. What game are you most looking forward to this upcoming weekend for uh, some NFL football? Which which game do you think uh, you need to sit down and stream with uh, um, with TV. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. Let's let's take a let's take a quick look. Honestly, I'm a I'm a guy. It's, that 11, it's, it's Seattle, Atlanta is the no, only correct no, answer. Just so you know, <laughs> I live in Ohio. Um, I don't care about West Coast teams um, or the Falcons. Let's go it with is a fun like one. the third highest oh, uh, third highest uh, implied points. You you do understand the right answer here is Buccaneers and Saints. It's yes, 100% Buccaneers Saints. That is the game of the week to watch. And if you're not going to pick that one, you want to know what the right answer is? It's Browns Ravens because it's Browns Ravens. Yeah, that one will actually be a lot of fun. I actually I'm I'm surprised that I mean, let's get off on a, on a tiny NFL fantasy tangent here. I'm a little surprised that there was zero uh, post hype sleeper buzz around Baker Mayfield. None whatsoever. And I think like I called him a bust last year because he was going wider. I mean, quarterback four. But now he's not even getting drafted in like 12 team single quarterback leagues. And I think it's a mistake. So, yeah. So you didn't spend a ton of time in the midsummer uh, road of his slack would be my guess, because there was a lot of love for him. He's yeah. I, I don't know why he wasn't the candidate for the post type sleeper award. Um, I, I think that offense is going to be substantially better. I think there's going to be a team to watch. And honestly, I still think Baker's really good. And if Baker's really good, he still has Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham to throw to. So, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Uh, let's get in. Oh, well, actually, hang on one second. Before we jump in to our picks, let's take a quick moment to hear from a couple of our other sponsors. At Rotoviz, we love titles. We love hardware. We love championships. We love winning. And we love it when you do it too. In 2020, one thing we want to win with you is the underdog fantasy. Best ball mania. $1 million best ball tournament. It's $200,000 to first place. It's only $25 to enter. It's a no-brainer. This is like the elite best ball title this year. So you got to go to underdogfantasy.com or download their great underdog fantasy app in the app store on your smartphone device and you're gonna make a deposit. You're gonna use code ROTOVIZ when you make that deposit. Then you're gonna go refer five friends and Underdog and ROTOVIZ will give you a free entry into the Best Ball Mania tournament. So it's, it's kind of like a two for one. You sign up, you put in 25 bucks, you enter the Best Ball Mania tournament, you get five buddies to play, you use code ROTOVIZ, you get a free entry. No brainer guys, let's chase that glory, 200 grand. If $25 is too pricey for you, They've got a $5 tournament called the Bubble, and you can win 20 grand in that bad boy. Their app is slick. You click on the player's name, you see the ownership, you see the latest news and notes. You can draft from that app with no problem. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this product, and I can't wait for you to try it. So go to underdogfantasy.com today, make a deposit, and use code ROTOVIZ and chase that glory. And we are back. Let us go through our picks and figure out where we can make some money. Let's start with Georgia Tech at Florida State. Florida State favored by 12 and a half. Who do you got in this one and why? Another thing, actually, before you do that, one of the things we'll be doing this year is, is kind of let you know a player that we'll be watching from this game uh, from a Debbie perspective or just from a pure Joy. enjoyment of football, uh, but just let you know some players to be looking out for. So who'd you got in this one, Matt? So I have Georgia Tech covering, and my logic is I didn't really think that hard about this one. Uh, even Florida State fans, even Florida State alumni do not have super high expectations for them. They're expecting this is going to be a team that is over 500 and bowl eligible, whatever that means in 2020. I'm not 
expecting polls. Um, so I'm taking Georgia Tech. I don't think they're going to be spectacular this year, but I think they have some talent. Um, one of the guys that I'm really going to be watching this year is Jameer Gibbs. He was a freshman running back, was a top 100 player, was considering Ohio State up until like January. Um, really, I mean, everyone was kind of putting him to all these huge programs and ended up deciding to stay home with Georgia Tech. So from what I've been reading, he's not necessarily the starter on offense right now, but he does look like he's going to be a guy that's going to get instant impact playing time. So that's the guy I'm watching. Um, I don't have a great reason. Like I think offenses are going to suck early and Georgia Mm -hmm. Tech is at least systematic. Yeah, and that that system is exactly why I'm also on Georgia Tech for this game. Uh, Georgia Tech are seven and zero against the spread in their last seven games against Florida State. I think that speaks to something. Um, I think, like you said, like the the limited and unusual preseason uh, will make things a little bit more sloppy and difficult anyway. But Georgia Tech does play, uh, you know, interesting styles of football that I think will be problematic. It is Mike Norvell's first game coaching for Florida State. Um, as we know, he he came over from Memphis. I'm excited to see uh, what their offense looks like. If my player to watch is actually um, on Florida State. I think Florida State does win this game. I just think it's going to be a little bit closer. But uh, Terry is my guy. Tamorian Terry is a guy we've been talking about a lot. I'm really excited to see uh, him light it up. I think he's still going to put together a really nice day. I am curious to see how um, the the quarterback Blackman does for Florida State. Uh, I, I really hope they can they, they can turn it around because football is a little bit more fun when Florida State is relevant, and it's just been a while. Uh, the Willie Taggart days really uh, dampened uh, the, the 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 setting and the mood in uh, Seminole country. So I'm hoping that uh, they can get back to a place of relevance because football is more fun when when they're when they're good. Same with Miami. That's just my opinion, but you know, sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. This is one of the more uh, interesting teams. Talked about teams as a potential dark horse. Uh, Syracuse, not Syracuse, but Syracuse at North Carolina. The Tar Heels are favored by 22 points. As we all know, uh, Sam Howell has been getting tons of love in Debbie communities, and this is his his big first game of the season. So, what do you what do you think in this one? 22 points, pretty big number. What do you think is going to happen? I'm taking UNC. My reasoning: Syracuse sucks, and they might be really, 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 really bad this year. Like I'm <laughs> guessing, this is the team that if you're looking for the team that like is the Rutgers of the ACC, it's Syracuse this year. Um, mm-hmm. With that being said, I think Sam Howell's really good. I think you're going to get to watch him for a half. And I think you're going to get to watch Daz Newsom and my player of the week, or the player I'm watching, Diami Brown. Uh, I think you're going to get to see them for one half because at halftime they are going to be leading by 28. So watch out for Diami Brown. Diami Brown, he's really fun. Go to my... Uh, when you go to my article, look, there's a fun little uh, video of him basically punking out a Clemson defensive back. Ooh, I, I'm excited to look at that. Um, I'm actually taking Syracuse in this one. Uh, I don't think that it will be a particularly close game, but I don't think it's going to be more than three touchdowns. I think it'll be more like, you know, 14 to 17 points. Uh, many people might forget that DeVito's first college game uh, was last year when he took over in the fourth quarter and threw for 181 yards and three scores to lead the Orange to a 40-37 to 37 win um, against this same team. So I think DeVito will have a, a pretty good game. They have a new offensive coordinator in Sterling Gilbert who uh, really will play to or- the Orange's strengths in passing the football and keeping the uh, the passing game going. So I think they will be able to score enough to keep up with UNC, not enough to, you know, make it a really close game, but that 22 number is just a little bit too big for me. Uh, my player that I'm watching is Sam Howell. I want to see what all this hype is about. I'll be honest, I didn't watch a whole lot of Tower Heel football last year, so I do want to watch some of this one, uh, get a good look for for what Howell is and, and why people are so excited about him um, moving on to the next level because, uh, to be honest, I'm probably one of the lower guys on Howell, and uh, I don't mind being wrong, but I want to see it for myself, so... That's kind of where I am on this one. Uh, this one is definitely not a lock for me. I, I don't feel great. Um, and hearing you talk about it, Matt, uh, I almost wanted to change my mind. But I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with Syracuse. Uh, let's go to uh, one of the bigger lines of the week. Clemson minus 33 at the Demon Deacons. Wake Forest, who you got? I have Clemson. I actually don't feel particularly confident about this. Um, I do think that at least Early on in the game, like the first series, maybe the second series, I think you're going to see 
what happens when a quarterback loses his top two receivers that are NFL prospects, um, which is what Trevor Lawrence is going through. I, but I think that once he gets into the kind of the flow of the game, they're going to be able to kind of do whatever they want. And the one perk about being Clemson is that if all else fails, Travis Etienne is probably going to break off the next time you ha- the next handoff for like 44 yards. Um, yes. I, my issue, if I, if I'm on the wake side and I think wake may end up feeling like the right side for most of the game, just because the spread is so big. Um, my issue with this is that I don't know how they score. So not, a, we already talked about Jamie Newman leaving Georgia, but the team he really left was wake forest. So they're bringing in this kid, Sam Hartman. He was sort of in competition for the starting job last year, but Newman was always kind of the guy. Um, Sam Hartman was a fine QB prospect. I think he fits the system pretty well, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to score. And particularly without Surratt, they've got a lot of guys, but none of them are really special. Um, yeah, the guys I'm watching in this number one is running back Kenneth Walker. He was a freshman last year. He kind of made an impact. He's just an interesting player. I think there's a chance he's a, he could turn into one of those efficient backs that becomes maybe a, an all purpose type running back that makes it to the NFL later in the draft. And then the player I'm really watching uh, just for joy's sake is Brian Barisi, who is the number one overall player from last year's recruiting class, who is basically the next superstar, the next Jadavian Clowney, the next uh, Nick Bosa, the next super duper star to play the defensive lineman position. And, Everything coming out of camp is that all, everything that people are saying about him is true. So, I, I mean, I, I can't wait to see him go against an ACC offensive line and see if he can really tear them apart the way they, I mean, everyone thinks he will. Yeah, I like it. That's, uh, again, like we said, our players that we're watching aren't necessarily just for Debbie purposes. Just sometimes it's just for the love of the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. This one was hard for me. That 33 number is massive. Uh, but as we mentioned last week, and as you just mentioned today, uh, Wake is without some of their key players. I think, like you said, I think they'll find it difficult to score. And if you tell me Clemson's putting up 46 points, I'm going to take it every single time. Uh, so give me Clemson. Uh, again, I don't feel great about it. Players I'm watching for are the wide receivers for Clemson. So I, I did look at the starting depth chart for the upcoming game, and they have Nagata, Amari Rogers, and Cornell Powell listed as the starters. Uh, but then, of course, you've already mentioned sophomore Ladson and then uh, freshman EJ Williams. I'm sure we'll get a lot of playing time, too, especially, like you said, if, if they're putting in the uh, backups at halftime, uh, we'll see a lot of them play. And I think just like with uh, I think conditioning could be an issue just with, you know, uh, these weird starts to the year. I think that we'll see a lot of players coming in and out. So I'm just curious to see what kind of role these different receivers take at Clemson, because uh, for, for Debbie, like looking at market share and dominator ratings and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, specifically in Clemson where they've had so much turnover um, at the wide receiver position. So that's definitely uh, the position I am watching uh, so this week. One super duper deep cut at the uh, Clemson wide receiver room that I'm kind of interested in is this freshman named Aju Aju. Um, yes. at a, yeah. He's at a Clearwater, Florida. Um, I don't know if he's going to get into a game early in the year. This is going to be the game. Cause like I said, I think they're going to end up running away with it, but he's a really interesting guy. He came up to uh, Cincinnati and played against one of the premier programs up here and basically torched him. So he's just a super, super back of the, like keep an eye. If he comes into the game, he's really athletic. Could be an interesting guy to watch. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Uh, let's uh, go over to one of the games I'm really looking forward to. Uh, that's Duke at Notre Dame. Man, never in my life did I think I would say I was <laughs> super excited about a Duke at Notre Dame game. But here we are. Uh, it's Notre Dame's first ACC conference game. Uh, so so there you go. Uh, who do you got in this one? The, the Notre Dame uh, minus 20 is is the number I saw. So where, where are you on this? I have no confidence in this pick. I am taking Notre Dame because I think their style offensively is going to translate better than most if you're creative in, as an offense and you run a lot of like trickery to set things up i think you're going to struggle um notre dame is kind of a lineup run it down your throat and win 
Um, I know they scored a lot of points last year and were kind of better offensively than they've been. But really what they're going to beat you with is a strong offensive line that is going to steamroll you. And I think that's what they're going to do again. Um, last year they won at least, or they won eight games by at least 20 points, including a 31 point win over Duke. Duke this year is rolling out a new quarterback um, named Chase Bryce, who is a transfer from Clemson. I uh, Maybe I'm just shook from what happened to Hunter Johnson last year, but he was the last Clemson transfer who everyone thought was super duper talented. And then he was one of the worst quarterbacks we'd ever seen. <laughs> so maybe Clemson just doesn't split reps in camp. So I'm a little bit concerned that Duke might not have this savior at quarterback. And if they don't, I think they're probably going to get run over. Um, my player to watch. It's Jafar Armstrong. I think um, I don't, whoever ends up being the workhorse back for Notre Dame is going to be interesting because like I said, they line up, they run right at your face and Jafar Armstrong is looked really talented at times last year, but I, I think I want them to use your guy more. So, Okay, yeah, let's get into that then. Well, I'm also picking Notre Dame. Uh, I actually do feel confident about this one. I I like Ian Book a lot, as I've already referenced to. Um, Again, they're returning three seniors on their O-line, six O-linemen altogether. Their defense is strong, specifically in the secondary. I think they will uh, make things very difficult for uh, your favorite quarterback, Chase Bryce. Um, (laughs) I, I um, I don't see Duke being able to score many points. Uh, Notre Dame didn't give up, you know, they averaged less than giving up less than 18 points per game. I'd be shocked if, if Duke was even able to get there. Um, Notre Dame covered uh, their last five games against the spread while Duke was three and six against the spread against the ACC. Uh, so I, I think Notre Dame will, will wrap this one up pretty easily. Uh, my player to watch is freshman running back for Notre Dame, Chris Tyree. He has electric speed. He is one of the most talented running back recruits they've had in, in quite some time. I really, really am hoping he becomes a thing. Uh, I do believe he's listed second or third on their depth chart. Again, who knows what that really even means. But uh, I think this game will be uh, won pretty handily by Notre Dame. So I think Tyree will get some run. And, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Like you were talking about earlier, uh, Matt, just when talking about like freshman running back, it's it's not necessarily important or as important that they're um, seeing, you know, 25 carries a game, but just seeing that the coach trusts them with the football, uh, giving them opportunities so that they can really build, uh, build in, build themselves a role in the offense and then uh, maybe take over their sophomore year, junior year. Uh, so, so I want Tyree to be a thing. Um, I'm glad that you are hopeful as well because it could yeah, be fun. Yeah. He, I mean, he's really good. I will say, uh, as a person looking for a team to adopt this year, if Duke pulls the upset here, I will buy a Duke football shirt. And I will Perhaps. adopt them as my team this year. Oh, that is that is the grossest thing you've said today. Fun oh, fact: I won't have to do that. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, let's get to the last one that we're going to pick for this week, and then we'll uh, give you our locks. Uh, but we've got Arkansas State at Kansas State. Uh, minus ten and a half is the number I saw on Bet Online. So, who do you got in this one? I have Arkansas State um, covering, <laughs> losing, but covering. Uh, they covered an 18 point spread against Memphis last year. I think Memphis's offense is definitely more difficult to kind of control than Kansas State. So I don't see a real path to where Kansas State really this one gets out of hand. Um, not confident. Wouldn't wouldn't go out of my way to pick it. Um, don't rush to the counter. But yeah, I mean Arkansas State was better than I expected last week, and because of that. I'm not going to doubt him this week. There you go. And I don't have a player I, to watch because it's Arkansas State <laughs> and their two fun receivers from last year are gone. Yeah, well, my player I'm watching is Dahu Green for the Red Wolves. Uh, he had five receptions for just under 100 yards last week. So I just want to see if he can keep things going. Uh, I've honestly never really heard of him before last week. Um, but I'm also picking Arkansas State. Uh, Kansas State is one and four against the spread in the last five games against the Sun Belt. So that's not great. Uh, meanwhile, Arkansas State was five and two in their last game, seven games against the spread. So give me Arkansas State again, not one I'm rushing out to bet on. Uh, but why don't you tell us which games you are rushing out to bet on? And of course, when we do our betting, we're uh, using Bet Online, as we've mentioned. So uh, so tell me uh, where where you're heading and what where you're planning on making your money this week. So you're going to notice a trend. Um, so for, first, we'll go with my 
the one that I have in my article, um, go read the article still. I have some more uh, information on this, but my number one pick of the week is Appalachian State and Charlotte under 59. Short answer. Uh, Appalachian State loves to run the ball. They are hyper efficient while running the ball. They've been in for the last six years. They've been a top 25 rushing team um, each of the last six years. Charlotte, bad at defending their run. Um, Because of that, I would fully expect that they're going to run the ball all game. And what does running the football mean to you? Oh, it means lots of time off the clock. So I would expect that we will have a pretty constantly running clock in this game. And last year when these two teams met, they only combined for 54 points. And honestly, I'm not sure Appalachian State could have played a better offensive game. They were 15 for 15 on passing and basically did whatever they want wanted to on the running game. Charlotte might put up a little better fight than they did last year, but either way, constantly moving clock, constantly moving clock keeps the total low. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, why don't you give me another one? That was that was good. So the other one I have is uh, Duke and Notre Dame under 54 and a half. Uh, Notre Dame, despite being one of the higher scoring teams last year, their defense was really solid uh, to the point where they were actually eight and five on unders for the year. Um, and Duke, as we mentioned, breaking in a new quarterback who I don't necessarily trust, um, particularly with David Cutcliffe. Um, constantly be seen as like a QB developer. I, I hope I just said his name right. Uh, yeah, sure. Sorry. Um, with uh, Cutcliffe being seen as a kind of QB developer over the few years, I think he's going to need some time to actually bring up the QB. And with this offseason being so disjointed, I just don't think he's going to have an opportunity to make this a quality offense by week one. So if you're expecting for this game to go over 54 and a half, I honestly think you need Notre Dame to go 42 of it. That's, Mm -hmm. that's how bad I think this is going to be. And will Notre Dame keep their foot on the gas to get to 42 points here? I don't think they will. I think they're going to use all the running backs that are on their roster. And I think they're going to do a good job of, again, keep the clock moving. And also, just as a theme this year, uh, you'll notice I think disjointed offseason means offenses will struggle. Yeah, you're just not you know baking in enough room for all those pick sixes that uh, Notre Dame's going to be taking to the house. Um, but and we'll see. Neil. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I uh, that same game I'm taking Notre Dame minus twenty as one of my locks. I already went through my reasoning earlier, but I I really am confident that Notre Dame can win this by three touchdowns. Uh, so, so that's one of my locks. Uh, my other one is uh, Syracuse, North Carolina. I'm going under 65 and a half. That's a pretty big number. It's actually the biggest number on the week. So uh, I just took the biggest number and said I'm going under. No, not really. <laughs> but uh, that that is a big number. And I just don't think Syracuse is going to be able to score very much. Um, and I think UNC uh, won't have to score. S- similar to your logic that you just used with Notre Dame. Um, I just think they're going to be, it's going to be a closer game than, than Notre Dame. North Carolina will like, I don't think either team's really going to put up that many points. So uh, I'm going under on that one. I know you've got one more lock for us. So, so why don't you hit us with that one? So this one is, is brand. Um, It's brand upon brand upon brand. Um, (laughs) Yes, it is. So it's featuring two teams that ranked in the bottom 15 in points per game last year, UTSA and Texas state. Somehow these two teams got a total of 57 and a half points. I don't know how they're going to get to that total. So um, don't see how these teams score very much. Think it's going to be a really ugly game. Think that both of them are going to end up somewhere in like the 20 point range. I think this game's going to land somewhere in that 42 po- or 40, 41 points. I'm going to say it's 21, 20. Uh, there you yeah. go. I genuinely think this is going to be the ugliest game of the weekend. And I will be very happy when at halftime they have 10 combined points. Yeah, no, I think that's a great pick. Um, I really like that one as well. That's great. Um, is there anything you want to leave the the good listeners with? You'll be shocked to know that we're like right at 58 minutes right now. So we've done a wonderful job. Uh, but is there anything you want to leave anyone with before we get going for the week? Bye, Chris Alave. There it is. Bye, Chris Alave. I'm excited, you guys. Uh, we'll be back with you next week to uh, go through some of the games that took place. 
look forward to the upcoming week. Hopefully, uh, no postponements of any of the big ones. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited that we're here. And of course, football is back. We may not be going to the games, but there's still action to bet on. And you should be doing that at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's blue wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 